0: ED ECMO, episode number four, A Tactical Approach to the Cardiac Arrest. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the ED ECMO podcast. My name is Dr. Joe Belezzo and I'm here today with Dr. Zach Shiner. This is a podcast about ECMO, eCPR, and how to bring the management of your arresting patients to the next level. Zach, how are you doing, buddy?
1: Joe, I'm doing great. What are we talking about today? Tactical approach to cardiac arrest. What the heck does that mean?
0: I think that means uh, we're going to take a protocolized approach to managing the cardiac arrest in order to try and optimize outcomes. Is that a nice little uh, way of saying that? Love
1: it. All right, Love so
0: it. Zach Shiner, have you ever had a code run poorly? <sighs> uh,
1: yes. Give me abs- an example. Absolutely. Right, one uh, example, just one. Examples. Uh, I remember a patient that came in. Actually, I think this has happened more than once, to be <laughs> honest, uh, where you look up at the monitor and you see a systole and the nurses are looking at the monitor and they're seeing a systole. And then you realize that the patient is actually hooked up to the code cart monitor and they are not in asystole.
0: Yeah, that one's happened to me. How about uh, you, you ever been working a code over and then realize it's been seven, eight, ten minutes since your last code drug that ever happened to you?
1: absolutely and also seven seconds like you're immediately starting off You're like ah, let's give another drug and yeah it's yeah. like never
0: you're all amped up and don't realize that you just called for that same drug
1: being amped up yes that's the other thing i have done chest compressions at probably the rate of ventricular tachycardia
0: you've personally <laughs> done chest compressions at that rate haven't you yeah can you tell us about that
1: oh um yeah i mean there, i just had this I was actually the day after I had been doing a resuscitation talk in in Vancouver I started I had there's a cardiac arrest on the mountain and I was doing chest compressions way too fast but bottom line is codes can get be total clusters so quickly before you even realize it. So
0: what what are some of the things we can do then to try to minimize that chaos?
1: So this is this was sort of born out of our our whole ECMO you know, wow, people can come back. I am not nihilistic about cardiac resuscitation anymore. And so once you start having the idea that, that wait a second, we can save these people if we just do things right. And not only if we do things right from an ECMO standpoint, but we got to do everything right. And, um, you know, a, sor- shortly after we started doing ECMO, I went up to Seattle with Graham Nickel and their whole Medic One. They have just a fantastic medic department up there. And I realized that these guys were going out into the field and the people's houses and doing running codes better than I was running in a, you know, environment that I can plan and organize and everything. And so uh, I think that that was sort of the impetus for me and then for, our, for all of our whole hospital to just sort of get on board with organizing our codes.
0: So what, what you're saying there is that ACLS is a great protocolized approach to uh, at least to a starting point for running codes. But we decided to start our protocol from the time the patient hits the door. So can you kind of walk us through maybe what a typical patient might be who uh, comes in the door, they're on the medic gurney, they're getting chest compressions, and start to walk us down the path of how we've protocolized our approach?
1: Sure. So uh, medics come in. They're tired. They've been working on, these, on this patient for who knows how long. So kind of the first emphasis is we want to just aggressively take that patient from them. We want to put them into the room in such a way that we can quickly get them onto our gurney have people assessing them from our standpoint, having the doc be able to listen to the uh, medic give report. And so that first few minutes are really important to try and minimize the delay and um, minimize the, uh, the time that the patient is not getting maximal therapy.
0: Give me an example of that. How does the patient, when the patient's brought into our facility, normally, if you're looking into the room, from the outside of the room looking in, you're looking at the back wall of your code room. Normally, the the medic gurney comes in on the left side of the gurney. But we've changed that around a little bit, right? Why, why have we done that?
1: Yeah, it's almost like there's this this natural pull to keep that gurney going on the left side. So, yeah, putting it on the right side has advantages because we have a we place a line dock on the opposite side so they can quickly assess the patient as you transition them over. You also can allow for chest compressions to occur faster and to get that gurney out. And while they're putting them on all the wires and everything that they have to do, you can assess the patient.
0: Yeah, so logically think about that. The patient now is coming in on the right side, going into the room on the right side, your empty gurney is on the left side. You're moving the patient from the right to the left, and the gurney, the medic gurney, is then on, still on the right side. They're taking off all their wires, all their leads, their monitor, and they're leaving the room on the right side of the patient, on on the right side of the room. When you're looking in the room, and that allows a couple of things, but one of the important things for us is that it allows a doctor who's accessing the femoral vessels uh, on the left side when you're looking in the room to begin working immediately. Is that right? That's it. Okay, so that's just one piece of this big protocol that we've put together to try to optimize our resuscitation, right?
1: Yeah, so this talk has a lot of pictures in it right it's it's conceptually we can talk about it but uh, i think the one of the take-homes here is you got to look at the the pictures that we have on the website okay the pictures are going to show you how people are set up in the room they're going to show you how our recess card is and we're going to talk about it in a second but you got to look at the pictures because these this can be really confusing if you just try and listen to us talking about it
0: now that said i'm going to quickly try to paint a picture for you okay, okay. so if you're looking into the room again yep. You're looking from left, going clockwise around the room. Here's how things are set up. On the left-hand side, the line doctor is standing there. The line doctor is fully gowned, fully sterile gowned, with an ultrasound probe in his hand, with a sterile probe in his hand. Um, the right behind him or her is going to be the ultrasound machine. Behind that person is behind the machine is going to be the um, the ventilator, the respiratory therapist. Uh, we use a GlideScope or whatever your video laryngoscope device is and then the doctor who's running the code is at the head of the bed. Moving further uh, around the room in a uh, in a clockwise orientation, you're going to have two techs or uh, te- uh, uh, ER technicians who are going to be doing your chest compressions, and then just proximal on the right side of the room is what we call our code team leader. And this is a important concept. Zach, can you tell me a little bit about the code team leader?
1: Right. So there's a lot of sort of Ideas that have gone into this entire protocol, but we're going to give you just a couple of things that we think are the most important things, the things that change from what you did previously. Mm -hmm. And what we do now is we have a code team leader and that person is a nurse. Okay. I'm talking about de-emphasizing the role of the doctor and emphasizing the role of the nurse. Yes, I just said that. So the nurse The nurse allows you to offload some of the responsibilities to the physician. That person allows for timing of the code, timing of meds, when do we need to shock, reminding the physician what needs to go on, and uh, just be that presence there that will keep you on the right trajectory.
0: Yesterday, Zach, was Super Bowl Sunday.
1: Super Bowl Sunday. So I'm going to use a
0: little bit of an analogy here. So I would look at the doctor as the quarterback of your team. The quarterback is going to be ultimately responsible for whether or not your team has success. The code team leader would be equivocal to a coach. That coach is going to be calling in plays. You're going to listen to the coach and decide whether or not you want to uh, act on that play. Of course, it's always in your being, if you want to, to call an audible and do something a little bit different. But the main thing is that you've got somebody directing traffic for you to help you along so you don't get off track while you're in this chaotic environment. Sound about right?
1: It's great, yes.
0: Okay, so we were kind of going around our room in a clockwise fashion. Now you go outside the room, and we've got another thing outside the room. We've got a thing called a resuscitation cart. What is a resuscitation cart?
1: Yeah, so this would be take-home point number two. So the addition of a cart, not the code cart. We all have the code cart, right? The defibrillator, the Lamont. I think they all look the same, right? They kind of all look like they're from the 1980s or something. (laughs) They
0: are all. Yeah, it's true.
1: (laughs) So the, yeah, the code cart, we know that one. We're now talking about a separate cart, something that holds all the extra crap you need to use during your code, okay? And we're... Primarily, there's two components to this. One is the vascular component and one is the airway component. We love vascular access. We think that that is a really important part of running codes. We think arterial access is important early in the code. We think big central vessel um, lines are important as well. And so we want this at our fingertips. We don't want to have to be running around the department. Where's the ultrasound cover? Where's this? So on this cart which is just an arm's reach away from the line doctor involves sterile gloves, ultrasound covers, IO, central lines, femoral lines, uh, femoral arterial lines. So everything that we need to do to sort of get this code going.
0: Yeah. And then the uh, bottom, there's two shelves and you just mentioned the top one, which is our vascular access shelf. And then the bottom shelf is uh, a number of airway rescue devices, uh, which, you know, fortunately we very rarely have to have to access, but it's there for us as well. So that's kind of a cool thing. Okay, so uh, we now have everything in place, and let's just say before that patient gets to the room, we, we brought that patient in the room already, but let's just say before they get there, we want to do something called staging, and staging puts individual people into their proper positions and devices into their proper positions before the patient gets there. So, can, uh, Zach, can you just talk a little bit about how we stage things before the patient gets there?
1: Absolutely. So why, why is staging important? It, cardiac arrest is infrequent. Not that often. You get, probably if your hospital is a busy center, you probably get 80 codes a year, okay? That means if, depending on the number of doctors, you have maybe five or six codes per doc, okay? So that is an infrequent event. You have to pre-plan for that. Your nurses are going to be even more infrequent. So you've got to make sure that everybody is in the exact same place so that they know their exact job so that they can do it Um, cohesively, but also so that they can do it quietly. Noise is just such a detriment to successful code running. And so if you can decrease the noise in there, you can... um, it's just all around better process. The communication is better. Everything is better. So we create the exact place for each person to stand, including the doctor, including the nurse, including the techs, including the RT, including the pharmacist. Everybody stands in the same place so that they can do their job and do it well.
0: Great, Zach. So you had, well, we had both mentioned the line doctor. You referred to it as the line doc earlier, mm-hmm. and uh, I had mentioned it as well. And the reason we have that doc in the room is that we, as you know, this, this podcast is called ED ECMO, right? And so we uh, have the anticipation that we might put somebody on the bypass pump. And so in every code we run, we at least have another doctor in the room, usually in most scenarios, as I said before, gowned, gloved, fully sterile, ready to go. And that doctor is also in the room. So Zach, can you just briefly sum up the things that we do that are different from most folks and that are specific to the protocols so that we can tailor a tactical approach to the cardiac arrest?
1: Oh, sure. So take-home points today. We talked about importance of organization. And the, the thing that we do differently, I feel, is we have this code team leader, which is a nurse. I love, Joe, your analogy. Quarterback, coach, that's, that's just perfect. So they're not ordering the drugs but they are coaching you and allowing the physician to offload his response or her responsibilities and uh, and focus on the code second thing is this resuscitation cart gets you all the stuff you need at a arm's length away last thing is this idea of a line doc and how helpful they can be at providing a a process for establishing arterial and venous access, and then this idea of sort of decreasing noise to the idea of staging, staging people in the same place.
0: So Shannon and I recorded this episode a couple of weeks ago, and as I thought about it some more, I realized that there was some important pieces of information that were left out of that conversation. One of the key components, if you're an ECMO center, if you're going to be doing eCPR in your emergency department, your vascular access becomes unbelievably important as soon as possible. So, one of the barriers is that if the medic gurney is coming in with chest compressions ongoing, and they're coming in, and as you're looking into the room from the outside looking in, usually the medic gurney enters on the left-hand side of the room and then transfers the patient from left to right onto the hospital bed. The problem with that is that it takes a considerable amount of time to transfer the patient, Have our team then assume the chest compressions while the medics are taking off each of the leads from their monitor leads off the patient's chest, removing the monitor from the gurney, and then trying not to pull an IV out as the medic gurney is beginning to leave the room uh, and then make an exit out, out of our ER. What would then typically happen is the doctor who's going to be placing the IV lines in the femoral vessels, the quote-unquote line doctor, that doctor would then have to push the ultrasound machine into the room, again, looking in the room on the patient's left-hand side, because most of us are right-handed and prefer to try to enter the femoral vessels while you're on the left-hand side of the room or what will amount to be the patient's right femoral vasculature. So Ideally, if you're right-handed, you're going to want to be on that side, which is the same side that the Medicurney's coming in on, and that makes absolutely no sense. And so there's, a, therefore, a delay getting the ultrasound machine into the room, getting the line doctor gowned and prepped, and then getting the patient fully disrobed and the groins prepped. So what we've done in attempts to change this around, and it's, I think, changed the way we're going to do resuscitations from here on out, is we bring the patient into the room on the exact opposite side. So in preparation, when you're waiting for the patient to arrive, the line doctor is already in the room, fully gowned and prepped with the ultrasound machine in front of him or her, uh, ready to go. So when the medic gurney arrives, the medic gurney is going to enter the room on the right-hand side of the room, again, as you're looking into the room. The medics will then offload the patient from the medic gurney onto the ER bed without stopping chest compressions. And then we have a human chest compressor person, uh, one of our ER techs, who is just on the other side of the ultrasound machine who will resume chest compressions or assume chest compressions from that side of the room, from the left-hand side of the room when you're looking in. And then there's another human chest compressor compressor who's also on the right side of the room, and those two chest compressors will alternate doing chest compressions back and forth and alternate doing your pulse checks as you're doing already right now. That way when the medickey leaves the right hand side of the room, we already have the line doctor accessing femoral vessels. And let me just jump back real quick and say one more thing. As the medickey enters the room and the patient's transported from the medickey onto the ER bed, we have either a tech or a nurse immediately pulling pants down or cutting pants. So in on one hand they've got a pair of scissors and in the other hand they've got a bottle of betadine. So cut or pull pants off and immediately splash both groins with the betadine then the line doctor is going to grab have a, have a drape in hand and immediately lay the drape down ultrasound probe is already in the left hand of the line doctor with a uh, sterile probe cover on and vascular access can happen immediately we had a code that i ran uh, this last week that we set the patient we set the room up in this exact fashion and our line doctor had lines in within 20 or 30 seconds as opposed to the several minutes it takes in the quote unquote old way I've left uh, schematics on the show notes, so go to uh, the website at www.edecmo.org four, and there you'll see schematics of how the room is prepped, and then you also see a second picture of how the medic gurney enters the room. And then as well, I'm going to put a photo up that was taken of us at this exact same time. The the code I was talking about just a moment ago shows where everybody's standing in the room. So you can get a really good idea of how we're now going to run our codes in this way. And then let me just make one last statement in that if you happen to be lucky enough to have a mechanical chest compression device, and the one that I prefer is the Lucas 2, then that completely eliminates those two human chest compressors that are going to be in the room. Those two bodies are out of the room and leaving more real estate to do the things you need to do during your resuscitation. Well, Zach, this has been another fun episode talking about how we manage our codes at our facility. Uh, this has been a pleasure to bring this to you guys. This is the ED ECMO podcast, and if you have any questions or any concerns, any thoughts, any feedback, please visit us at edecmo.org four Uh, and leave us some feedback and also call us uh, go to the website check things out the links are all there we're also going to leave links for uh, information regarding this podcast and as well the pictures we talked about a list of the stuff we put on our uh, on our line cart Uh, it's all going to be there so check us out at the site okay on behalf of Dr. Zach Shiner on behalf of Dr. Scott Weingart this is Joe Belezzo and we are signing out.